Hello everyone, welcome to Ohm School Live. We'll let everybody start filling into the classroom seats here <laughs> as we, <laughs> as master spiritual teacher GP Walsh and myself host and spiritual student Lisa Berry jump into which I think is a very foundational topic. And um, it is, where do I begin a spiritual practice? How do I begin a spiritual practice? And GP and I had already done actually, why is a teacher essential? So I thought, ooh, let's back this bus up. <laughs> We've got, why do we, there's so many things, but what's funny when I think of the word practice, you know, you think of when you're in school, like after school practice, maybe it's band practice or gymnastic <laughs> practice or I don't even know what all these kind of practices, but we're very clear on what we are practicing and why we're practicing. Maybe we have a recital. Maybe we have a big game. Like we know what we're doing. But when you think of a spiritual practice, if, if I was to pose that question and I would love to have everybody put their comments in here. Um, what what do we think we're accomplishing and why do we even start a spiritual practice? GP, that's that's for you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um well oh my <laughs> Need, needless to say i've been thinking about it uh for several days you know since i wrote the blog over the weekend Great. and um why does anybody start it well most people start it because they get an interest in spirituality they read a book or two or talk to a teacher and assume they need a spiritual practice and you do need a spiritual practice if you see it from the point of view, not, not of necessarily trying to accomplish something, like I'm trying to master the piano or the trampoline or, uh, or something. That was, what I, that was my event, actually, when I was in high school. I was a trampolinist, uh, flips and all of that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, it, yeah, after a while, I was just too stoned to do it anymore. Oh, so. You are <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. It was, yeah, it was a trans transformation of life uh, that, uh, and I was never very competitive, but that's another story. It, it, it gets interpreted that way, right? Which is almost inevitable because this is the way we think. We think I'm doing something to accomplish something, to acquire something, to amass something, um, that's the way we always uh, always think of things. And a spiritual practice really is, is coming out of conditioning and into right relationship with life as it is. That's what it's, that's what it's about. Long time ago when I used to teach, teach I'd give drum lessons, I would have some, I would have some students that were, they were quite talented. They were really good, but they hadn't, they'd, They'd either taught themselves or they hadn't been properly taught. And so it would take a while. Um, some of them stayed with me. Some of them did not because I had to basically break all their bad habits. And as, as I was showing them how to do the, the right motions, and you know, when I learned how to do it, I would be in front of a mirror to make sure my hands were in exactly the right positions. So it became automatic, right? Um, they never had had that. They had gotten to a certain level in their playing and couldn't get any further. And so I started working on the correct way. And of course, the first thing that happened is their regular playing got worse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they started getting afraid, right? 
the ones that stuck with, eventually they went back to where they were and kept going, right? Because they, they had a limit. The, the way they were practiced, their technique was simply never going to allow them to get beyond that point. Um, and, and so this is really what we're talking about. It's about how to be in relationship with life as it actually is. And it requires the understanding of life. But then the practice, it's twofold. On one hand, there's the, the understanding of the real nature of life, which includes the understanding of, of conditioning and how we got in there, how we, the, the way we think and the reasons we think that way, the way behaviors become habitual. Right? But the practice of it, is coming face to face with that conditioning, <laughs> coming face to face with all those assumptions and those and those ideas, and and basically working through them to the point where you're no longer embodying them. You're no longer acting from conditioning. And now notice that isn't that isn't an, an adoption of a different set of behaviors, right? I'm not just I'm not just going to exchange this thing for this thing. It is, a, it is a freedom from all contrived behaviors. And what emerges is who you actually are, which is spontaneous and effortless. And that's the reward, right? And that's, that's why you'll hear some people say, well, there's no teaching and there's no real practice because you can't practice being yourself, right? It, <laughs> but that's the ultimate reward is effortless being because it doesn't require any effort to just be yourself. It requires a lot of effort to not be yourself, and that's what we're doing. We're acting out a version of ourself that isn't ourself. And of course, if you're doing that, there's going to be stress, there's going to be confusion, there's going to be fear, there's going to be self-doubt. There's, going to, I mean, the whole litany of things, because it's not you. The ground becomes extremely shaky, and yes, and that, the the practicing part for, for me when I was trying to you know get, wrap my my mental mind around this to, to share this this show today was um, okay. I'm I love to use the word understanding again. This has been the word of the, of the last week for me. I love this word understanding. <laughs> um, funny, I'm gonna use a funny story myself. I I was um had a friend's birthday and we were going horseback riding. Hadn't been forever and ever. And I thought, oh, I'll, I'm gonna draw a horse on her birthday card. <laughs> I had no idea how to draw a horse, so I of course YouTubed it like we all do, and was <laughs> I, I wanted to practice it first, like you know. I've never drawn a horse, but I, I started following and just doing what they were showing me, but I didn't have the understanding. Well, why am I drawing this line here? Why am I drawing this curve here? Oh, and then I, you know, the next time I drew the horse, cause I did it three or four times, um, you know, Oh, I'll do it better this way or this way. And the, the fact about the spiritual practice is there's, you, you can't see it. It's not like you can YouTube spiritual practice. Like, so you know, <laughs> yes. like, Oh, I do this line and I meditate in the mornings at 4am because 6am is not proper, you know, and it, it, <laughs> but it doesn't have these kind of rules. It really is an understanding of, Hmm. Is it an understanding of why we're doing it or just an understanding of who yeah, yeah, what is it? Yeah, understanding. Well, what the hell is it anyway? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you, you know, if you if you do something without understanding, it, it's just it's just it's just blind faith um, or or um, or worse, superstition, right? Ooh. 
um, because it, it's basically it's basically you're doing it without knowing why. And if you don't know why, it's obviously it's really easy to get off track, right? Yes. Um, and 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 there are a lot of teachers that'll give you the wrong reason why, just like the students I had who were badly taught, as I was the first time. I mean, I when I learned decided I wanted to learn correctly, I went to the most strict rudimental drummer in the country, who happened to live in the town near me, and I just you know I just did did the whole thing. Um, it, it, to be exactly precise, and it was grueling, and it happened to me. My plan got bad, <laughs> and then it started to get it started to get good. So there, you know, not every teacher knows what they're doing, and so you know, pick, you know, picking the practice and picking the teacher are very in, are very in, interrelated. But yes, it is. It's totally internal, right? It's 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 not like you know when I was packing flips and stuff you know they had they had wires and stuff for me to practice until I could do it without it and that sort of thing and there'd be somebody there you know you're taking a yoga class the teacher will come over and move your arm or or something something like that you know the the meditation teacher you can't walk inside your head and go no ignore <laughs> that you know and and so there's a there's a relationship there there's a dialogue that's going on right. And the, the, the teacher has to find all the words they possibly can to point you through that place. You know, you make stories and metaphors and examples and anything, you know, so that, so that a connection can take place. Because if there is an understanding, and one of the most primary understandings is, I'm not my conditioning. It, that primary understanding, without that, somebody sitting down is simply going to want to have better thoughts. But with that understanding, you can withdraw from thinking completely to recognize that it's a process of conditioning, and it's not me, so I can observe it. And in the process of observing it, I withdraw the energy from that thought pattern, which then, and my energy is what sustains it. And that means I'm withdrawing both, both attachment to pretty thoughts and aversion to ugly thoughts, right? Because they're all conditioning, right? And, and that kind of understanding, and that's rare because for the most part, I want better thoughts. I want a better life experience. I want better, you know, better relationships. I want more money, all of that kind of stuff. All well and, well and good, but you can see that that's, that's really just kind of, um, you know, it's putting lipstick on the pig, basically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have a pig. I have a not nice, a not so nice one. We call it polishing a turd. <laughs> polishing the turd. Yes. That, yeah. That, yeah. That's right. <laughs> you think I would have been the one to say the nice one, the lipstick on the pig? But, <laughs> but yes, because we we go around thinking, I I just want the pretty thoughts, or um, or I would like just to have mostly pretty thoughts. Uh, some of us can go into the dark, and and this is one of my questions around spiritual practice, is um, sometimes, well, sometimes. We have been told and we've all heard that, you know, you've got to face the dark sides. You've got to face those fears. You've got to um, go digging in the in the trauma. You've got to do all these things that are really uncomfortable and stuff. And I, I'm actually even me right now. I'm sitting here. can honestly say transparently. I get confused at like, oh, wait, do I or do I not need to? And is that part of a spiritual practice that I. You don't need to. You don't need to make yourself do it. OK. Yeah. 
<laughs> you have to be prepared to the point where when something dark or difficult does come up, an old memory or a feeling, that you're already to, you're already in the position where you, you can handle it, where you understand that that's going to happen. And so when it does, because you've had proper guidance, when it comes up, it doesn't overwhelm. You see it for what it is, just one of those deep things that has been laying around in the unconscious for a while that is coming out to finally be released. And that is what's going to happen. The dark stuff does come up. The, the ones who say, well, you got to go into the dark places and face your fears and that sort of stuff is trying to do that with the same ego that wants to hold on to the good thoughts. It's the same process. It's been reduced to a psychological process rather than an existential growth or development, right? You can't go somewhere where you're not ready to go, period. And forcing somebody to do that is going to have awful consequences. It's just not, not going to work. So there's a preparation that has, has to take place. Because anybody who knows how to really teach meditation knows that. It's why, you know, oftentimes when I do a meditation, I'll just start with the breath. Can you just be with your breath for a while and feel your body, right? N nothing special. You don't have to do anything. Nothing, you know, just notice that these feelings are there and be become interested in the, in the workings of the, of the inner, of the, of the stuff that's going on with, within you. And that interest is really, it's all that's required. <laughs> I, I love the word interest because it's part of my, I don't even remember, probably 20 years ago, somebody uh, had shared, asked the question, you know, what, what is the opposite of love? And most people will say hate. And they said, well, it's actually, you know, it's indifference, um, not caring, not being interested in and not, you know, so I thought, oh, wow, that's so, I find that interesting because to, mm. to love spirit you know we're talking about truth and love and to have that practice is i love that you said to be prepared like you're preparing so it's you're practicing but yeah. you're preparing yourself so that when stuff comes up you i don't want to say courage but is it courage that we have to be interested in something does that require courage or? no but courage you know what we call courage is that is that inner resourcefulness that lets you be with unpleasant things and that happens automatically Right. If you know, don't 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 take the word courage and apply it to a circumstance. Look at the inward conditions and see if the word courage really reflects what it is. Right. It's because it, it always starts from experience. Right. And so I call it courage. But the moment I call it courage, the mind kind of wraps something around and gives it characteristics and the like. Um, and so I can push that aside and go, what am I actually experiencing? I'm experiencing the sense that I can be with stuff that I didn't want to be with before. I don't really care what you call it. <laughs> and by the way, love has no opposite. Oh, it doesn't even have. Yes, it's it's not even okay. indifference. It's, <laughs> it's it, it has no opposites because it's all there is. And that's where this, the non-duality shows up in our yes. conversation. <laughs> the opposite is unreality. It's like, what's the opposite of truth or the opposite of reality? Unreality. What's the opposite of what is? What isn't? <laughs> so it has no existence, right? <laughs> yeah, it has no opposites. 
That's interesting how we always want, but that comes back to, um, which I've learned as a student here, that we look for the opposites so that we can have a reference point. So we can say, well, yesterday I didn't have a spiritual practice and today I do. And it looks like this. Uh -huh. And if I start here, then I'm starting. And sometimes we, we when, when we hear ourselves even say, or somebody else saying, well, I haven't been really doing my spiritual practice. You know, I, I've put it off to the, the side or the back burner, or I need to change it up. Is this because we have that picture of a model of what a spiritual practice is looking like and, and we're judging ourselves like, ah, you didn't do this. <laughs> right. And and if that's the case, it means it's no longer about interest. It's become a it's become a requirement, a responsibility, a discipline. Yeah. Right. And you just can't hold attention on something you're not interested in. You just can't do it. Right. You can try, you know, you could show up and wear all the clothes and sit and chant home. But, but there'll be nothing to it. You'll get nothing out of it because there, because your heart's elsewhere, right? The, the, real, the real thing, the real practice then would be to look at that energy that wants attention to be elsewhere and see, well, what are you about? And become curious about that because that's the actual experience you're having. Right? And a genuine practice would simply look at that and go, okay, what's going on here? Not comparing it, saying, well, I should be wanting this, but I'm, I'm, I'm being pulled towards this. What's the attraction? Now, this is where self-knowledge starts. You really begin to understand yourself and the, and the mechanism, the workings of things. If you just make yourself do some kind of a discipline, you're not actually engaged in the, in the inquiry part of it. You're simply trying to adopt a new behavior and hope for the benefits of it. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. It's, it's not like I probably really love doing squats, but I know that the benefit of them, if I can just, you know, do my wall squat for two minutes, you know, that, I, right. that I'll be able to time. No, my it's exactly, it's exactly, the, that's exactly the case because we, you know, to do exercise, you know, I love doing exercise. Yes. There are movies. I actually, I, I actually, but not everything, you know, right. You know, <laughs> God, I'd rather be I'd rather be shot dead than do deadlifts. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I, you know, they're just saying, "Oh, please, I don't want to do those." But the, it's a very different thing when I realize, okay, this this has to be done uh, in order to in in order to get to what I'm really after. That's that's a very that's a very healthy kind of discipline. But when I'm just doing it because I think I have to. Right? And I've completely lost track of where I'm going, right? Mm -hmm. then, then you're just going through the motions. And in fact, you will not get any benefit from it. Yes. How can we, <laughs> so that's an interesting thing about the benefit, because one of the questions that, uh, that came up for me is, we've been doing something for like me before meeting you, doing my thing, you know, and, and, and not knowing if I was, I wasn't, hmm, I don't want to say anything, <coughs> but I'm going to use the word not measuring whether I was growing or not. Is that something we don't really measure? We just sense that we go, who I'm not really growing. So I need to change my spiritual practice. Is it, or, or back well, to that wrong reason again? <laughs> well, I, again, it's the kind of thing we want to, ex to explore. And, you know, initially, you know, when um, bringing people into a kind of practice, is because you want to really, you really want to understand yourself, right? Right. So I'm I'm in this relationship, or I'm in this job, or I've got this practice, and 
something doesn't feel right, right? Now the mind will want to just kind of jump to the next thing, right? The next course, the next teacher, the next practice, right? And 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 jump on it because because it's not actually doing an introspection. It's trying to it's basically trying to paint the walls, right? It's it's just trying to like plaster with mashed potatoes. <laughs> and, and so under the under the right guidance, there's some you can take some time and just look at it, right? Why am I unsatisfied in this job? Right? And not a, a, a why is this, you know, and just giving it over to your mind and trying to figure it out. But it becomes an emotional exploration. It's just, something's off. I'm just not feeling at home. I'm not feeling comfortable. I'm not feeling, you know, part of he's not being is wants a deeper sense of expression. Now, if you look at that very closely, you can refer to it on many different levels. And on one level, I'll just refer to it as our natural desire for self-expression. But what it really is, is the reality of you seeking its innate freedom. It wants to be completely and totally free, right? And that that appears within our life as a sense of this isn't quite right. This relationship isn't quite right. This job isn't quite quite right. This practice isn't quite right. Now, somebody with without the proper pointing, you'll probably just jump to another one, right? And it will run out of steam over time. With the right pointing, that moment becomes the object of your inquiry that becomes the meditation because that's what's come up here now right? and, and so just saying oh okay off somewhere else right you, you've you've basically just um denied yourself the opportunity that you've just been given to know your true freedom because you believe that it's coming going to come from someplace else some a different job or person or experience or a place or or, or, or anything of the like. It doesn't mean that 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 you, that it isn't time for another job or another relationship. Or it does not mean that at all, right? It, it just doesn't assume that that's what's going to, that that's what's really up. And if if you really grasp again through understanding that what we're looking for is the ultimate freedom, the freedom from all limitations including limitations of even having a body freedom of birth from birth and death freedom from any kind of of limitation whatsoever then you realize that that is the central theme from which all of our desires for freedom have have emerged and they eventually converge there when they converge there you're you're in the the, the final stages of practice Wait, final stages? Yeah. When the focus is totally on, on the infinite freedom of, of your true being, beyond that is the infinite freedom of your true being, and there's no practice. I get this. Oh, okay. So in a, one day, at, at a session, let's call it for a practice, we inquire of a feeling that's come up. And if we sense that has reconciled, that inquiry there is that the end of that practice for that feeling or well the the, the practice would be simply being present with whatever comes up 
without judgment, without preferring one thing over another. The, nobody can say when stuff is going to stop coming up, right? <laughs> but at some point it does. At some point you hit the bottom, right? There, because it isn't infinite, right? And and so it, eventually the last little bit has come out and come up, and and all along the line you're going to notice your life's got to become more more equanimous. It's going to become more patient, more compassionate. Things aren't going to bother you. You're going to see the fruits of it um, un until you finally fall into that ultimate emptiness where there's there is nothing but the pure infinite being and i am that and no one can say when that's at what point that's going to happen but this is the path to walk that that eventually leads there oh my gosh that was beautiful i love that we brought in um innate innate freedom um <laughs> That's a good word, innate. Uh, it's a by true nature. It's 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 there. It's from there was never a beginning. It's truth. Would you say that the word innate yeah. is aligned with truth? A absolutely. It was not created. It's effortless. It's simply what is. Right. <laughs> right. So when when we when we begin a spiritual practice, because you know where do I begin? Um, I. If I'm okay, I'm really making a formula here, and I'm because I'm trying not to, but it's happening. Is would you say we begin a spiritual practice with with all the things that are the I'm going to say the word opposite of freedom that that are limits, our limits. So our our we how do we begin and where do we be in a spiritual practice? Is exploring our feelings um, where we are experiencing limits in our life. Yes, and you start with simply what are you feeling now? What what is here right now? Because that's the only thing you can ever deal with, <laughs> right? The rest, the rest is conjecture and speculation. So you just, what is here right now? And this is what meditation is. You're simply quietly being with, the, with what is ever here in this moment and noticing how you're attached to things, how you judge things, how you, you want this and don't want that, how you grab, cling to this and push this away. And you just notice those things. Right, and at first, you, you may feel as though okay, I've got to get rid of all my aversions and attachments. You try to get rid of them, which of course doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, you gotta let <laughs> right? that go. Because you gotta let that go. <laughs> let that let it go, right? Because that's the mind trying to let go of itself, basically, which it can't do, right? But if 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 you're willing to just do be there and, and watch it. Little by little, you, you, you come to realize that there's, there's, a, there's another element here. There's something else that is simply watching it, right? And that which is watching doesn't have any judgment of it. That even the judging of it is appearing in this, in this, in this, in this space that you're, wit that you're witnessing. Now, this, this, is, this is how the process develops. Because at first, we're completely embroiled in our thoughts and everything. And we sit down to meditate. And, okay, I want to be peaceful. Or I want to I stop my mind. And then it doesn't. And we figure, I did something wrong, right? Um, so the, 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 the correct way is to just simply be there with whatever is there and, be, and watch it. Right? 
watch it without trying to control it, without trying to do anything to it, without even trying to transcend it, right? <laughs> to just let it be there. And that, that I call that the yoga of allowing, to just simply be there with it, right? And it's, it's a skill that has to be learned in, in a sense because it's exactly the opposite of what we're normally doing. We're always judging and assessing and discriminating. This is this and this and this and this and this. I like this one. I don't like this one. This is better than this. This is better. We're always doing that. And part, you know, partly it needs to be done. You know, we, we do need to make evaluations and stuff in our, in our everyday life. But those are useless when it comes to self-discovery. Right? The, the self-discovery is the place that, that, that witnesses all judgment and recognizes all judgment is relative. And it depends on the position I'm in, right? Which will determine whether this is good or bad or uh, indifferent. And recognize that all positions are impermanent. They come and go. I, the position I have now is not what I had 10 years ago. And I doubt if I'll have it 10 years from now. And, and recognizing that, you realize that they're essentially unstable. So from the existential, me trying to discover who I am, I can't rely on something that's inherently unstable. I've got to find something that is stable, right? And, and this is the, pre okay, that's unstable, so that can't be it, right? And so you just very naturally with, with withdrawing from it, but as you withdraw from it, you'll notice the habit of the mind. It keeps wanting to go back to that, right? And, and th then you begin to notice how conditioned all of our responses are, right? Yes. But if you're look, seeing at how conditioned the responses are, you can only see that looking at it from a place that's outside of it, a place that isn't conditioned, right? And we don't know that at first, Right? We think it's the conditioned me looking at the conditioning, but eventually you go, oh, wait a minute. Conditioning can't assess conditioning. Conditioning is not conscious. It's not self-aware. Something is conscious that's aware of the conditioning. Has that been conditioned? Right? So you can see the, the meditation, which is a simple act of allowing and being present with something, and, and self-inquiry, they just begin to dance together. They're two sides of the same coin. One is one is love and compassion. The other is wisdom and truth. And they're two they're two sides of exactly the same thing. Oh, I think that was in the light letter a little bit, and I was going to explore there, and I'm going to come back to that one. I the the two sides of those coins, but uh, just a question on the oh the conditioning. Hold on. Um, Oh no. Okay. I'm going to stay with that one because I lost the question there on the sides of the, the coin. We have love and under no compassion, love and compassion. And on the other side was wisdom and truth, truth. It's and it's through it's with our wisdom. Un really understanding is understanding yeah. is the two of them dancing. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> ah, because you can't have one without the other, right? Right. Truth and without love becomes cold and harsh and like, you know, some yeah. new Advaita teachers. There's nobody here. There's nothing to do. It's all an illusion, right? Yes. Love without truth becomes weak, gets taken advantage of. It, it doesn't know how to set boundaries. 
Right? Mm. And, and so you need you both have to be both have to be at play, right? And in any given moment, one or the other, or some mix of those two along the continuum will be the most right mix for the moment. Right. And in that moment that we're doing this, if I were to think, okay, so we have this spiritual practice, we're looking, we're seeing, wow, that's a condition, a conditioning. I, here is this thing, I like not I, but the I in there was conditioned for the two thing, two reasons, to either become safe or to have more freedom. Mm -hmm. And so the awareness of the conditioning, if what if if that's our practice, if we're exploring and saying, ah, there's a there's a conditioning, there's a conditioning. As the practice evolve, I guess, evolves, as we re retrieve our wisdom, is it that's when we experience more of the freedom and safety, or it just it doesn't even there's no requirement for it because now it's just truth. Right. In the, in the unenlightened mind, safety and freedom are in constant conflict. Safety regards freedom as the enemy, and freedom regards safety as something it has to get rid of. And you hear people that all, 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 all the time when somebody wants more freedom in their life and they start visualizing or something like that, and there's this huge resistance to it. Right? And then they, that resistance becomes an enemy they have to try to get rid of, which, of course, never, ever works. <laughs> it's like trying to get rid of your hair, stop your hair from growing. I mean, it's, it's simply not going to work. But this is what happens. This is the schism that is created by conditioning due to experience. And, and because simply at the nature of the human, the human body it, it's always going to it's always going to put safety above everything else. It's always going to be assessing whether or not it's safe to do whatever it is that it's going to do. And when we get stuck in that position, as pretty much all of us do, right? Every every, every act at, at at trying to improve one's life becomes dangerous. Becomes interpreted as dangerous. Right now, now this is what happens because we've simply been conditioned culturally on the safety side this is the basic first chakra this is this is the this is the hebrew god of laws and you know the abrahamic god of laws and the christian law of god too this is the abrahamic rule it's laws right you follow these things you you have the right behavior and then you're going to get either rewarded or punished right? i mean this is very much a first chakra god right he's he's the lawmaker and the enforcer right <laughs> Right, so it's all about that. Freedom means nothing, right? Absolutely nothing. Well, you, you mature a bit, you want more freedom. Uh, a lot of time, the freedom will look like sin to the <laughs> to, uh, to to that cultural point of view, um, and there'll be this inner conflict between it. You can can be banished or you know shunned from the the, the tribe and that and that sort of thing. Uh, but now, as we have matured and we've come to recognize it, we live in a time of unparalleled of freedom, physical freedom, and the like of the things that we can, the things we have available to us, the opportunities we have. But that very primitive sense that all of this is dangerous, plus all the old moral overhead that's still quite, uh, quite with us, it's just doing this constantly. And and we think the way to do it is just, you know. Grab for the freedom, visualize freedom, and get rid of resistance as much as you can. 
It never, ever works. We have to understand both sides of the equation, give, understanding both sides of the equation and, and taking the third position, which I call the peacemaker, which does not take sides, right? If I'm not taking sides, both sides have begin to have equal weight. Yes. Whatever side I take, the other side's going to become the enemy. Right? If I don't take a side, there's no enemies. At that point, there's this, this space that can begin to open in which it can begin to dance. Freedom can be attained safely. That is the freedom that we know of in terms of the human experience. There's a deeper freedom that is beyond that. And that freedom is pointed at by the peacemaker that actually steps out of both. Because that one's free, because it has no position. Right? It has no judgment. It, you know, you guys work it out. Whatever you decide's fine with me. Right? That's freedom. Right? And so the, the 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 peacemaker is is really an embodiment of that ultimate awareness that is free, the ultimate unlimited freedom. That's where it comes. And you can see it is a combination of the heart, which is simply uh, the, the appreciation and, and high regard for both sides, and the wisdom that understands the necessity of it all and, and can watch the yin and the yang play. Right? Yeah. You can see that it has no vested interest in the outcome. That is the pure, that is the infinite freedom. It, it's that close. <laughs> yes, and, and I think that's that's what the spiritual practice is because uh, a lot of us, we start with um, what you mentioned. They're going to go into a meditation and maybe it's a, it's a guided meditation and they're going to just imagine all the stress is just gone. So we're imagining pure freedom, right? We're, we're not worried about being safe because I'm in my yoga class, my meditation class for an hour and I'm going to be <laughs> free in that hour. That's my free time. And I'm going to go in and I'm going to have my deep breaths and I'm going to feel so elated. And when I come back out, I'll be able to be in bliss for another 20 minutes until I get my little <laughs> and then the world. And then, but we look at it like a break, but um, a, a spiritual practice is not just a break or getting the head start on the day at 4am. And then we dive into it. A spiritual practice, is it fair to say it, it truly helps prepare you for the next moment of life, the next moment, the next moment, the next moment? The spiritual practice becomes perpetual, right? If you leave your practice on the, on the cushion or the yoga mat, um, you're not really practicing, right? It's a shift in perception. I mean, every single moment has an has an opportunity available to it. You know, watching a dead leaf fall from the tree is a lesson in impermanence. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> that that's me. Oh, okay. So this is impermanent. Well, what isn't impermanent? Is there anything impermanent? And you can see that. Um, I think it was Doug Doug Sen who said to. To, to, to study the ways, to study yourself, to study yourself is to become enlightened by the 10,000 things. Oh, so everything becomes the guru. Everything is the teacher. Life itself, because that's what's actually happening. You're opening yourself up to the, the messages that are coming to us constantly. Looking at the tree girl, right? 
I walk through the park and I'll see the tree and I'll see what what's the tree. There's the leaves, the branches. The, where is the tree? If you take away the leaves and all, the, all this stuff, it's like you can't separate the two. And then I look at the earth and the other trees around and, and it's like, where's the separation? Where's the line? That's a pondering that takes place because your whole, you, your, your whole position has shifted so much that every moment becomes innocent and fresh. You know, there's no preconceived notions anymore. There's no concept. There's this, there's this childlike curiosity. It's like, what is it? Right. And, but you've gone beyond, you know, the child gets answers from the parents and they get a particular concept of it. But now you're going beyond the concept to the direct experience of it. What is, what is life? <laughs> what is all, all of this? Right. And you can do it in such a way that you, you get the answer because you're sitting right at the center of it. Yes, it's interesting. I was thinking about how concepts can be lim limits, limiting. And um, just because uh, you're talking oh, about- not plants, can be, they are. They are, sorry, yes, they are. <laughs> yeah. They have a structure that's there. It's so interesting, yeah. I, was, I, I walk my cats, as you know, and Lucy, who's <laughs> been quiet today, thank you, because uh, we had a good walk in earlier. <laughs> um, out of the blue on my own property, she finds a catnip plant, a wild, you know, and we usually have to cross the street and go over to a ditch where she's found a big plant there. But I walk the property all the time. And today she finds a catnip plant. And I was just in joy and amazement, like, look what you found. Like, there's just no reason why this would be here. And here it is, this joyful thing. And I thought, and I looked at it like life that sometimes we think, no, there's no way. There could be catnip just growing on this thing right there at my doorstep, literally. And mm -hmm. then there it is. And and she found it because she didn't have a preconceived notion like, no, mom said there's no catnip on this property. It doesn't grow here. She was just out sniffing and found it and followed her nose literally. And then, and voila. Literally, right. Yeah, because she has no preconceived notions. Animals don't have concepts. Right. They just. So it's pure, it's pure experience. Yes. Yes. And, you know, the big advantage we have as humans is that we do have concepts, which is useful, so we can sit here and, and talk, but we can go beyond concept, beyond concepts, right? Whereas animals can't because they don't have any. They have the, so we can go beyond the concepts back to the pure experience, which puts us, I mean, it's a godlike position of, yes. of, under, of understanding and being able to see the entire structure of the human consciousness and human experience from the point of view, literally, of a god. Yes, I, lo I love that pure experience. That's uh, that really hit there because we've been talking about it and being in the moment and witnessing and going past the well, who has experienced this and the conditioning that that pure experience. And well, is that perhaps what a spiritual practice actually is? It's just pure experience. Well, y yes, that's what it arrives at. Complete. You know, a complete um, dismantling of all the filters and buffers and things that stand in the way of you experiencing things exactly as they are. And primarily experiencing yourself exactly as you are. And then the complete dissolution of the notion that there's anything other than yourself, which is the oneness of you and whatever you're perceiving. There's no, there's no separation anymore it's pure love oh, 
that just feels right and beautiful. <laughs> and on that note, I like, I didn't see too many questions come up, which is either good or bad. I don't know. It's not, we're not judging. Um, I think we're just enjoying this conversation around it. I, I just, it's, I'm truly experiencing the words as they're coming out of your mouth and landing in, in my heart here that it just feels like we're all, we are all on the right path, but we can make some discerning choices in our, our, manifested actions of where do I begin a practice? But I love that the, the beginning is just to look. It's just to be with it, to look, to see what is showing up at that very moment and without judging it, to allow it to be, which is why I want to bring up the yoga of allowing, because that actually <laughs> is, that is a course that, that you have created um, that we yes. are inviting everybody to check out because that would talk about where to begin a spiritual practice. I think that would be a handy tool to have. Um, did we, did we make a link? I can't remember now if we actually, yes. Y O A. Yes, yes, yes. There it is. Yeah, there it is. Everyone. Yeah. So everyone, thank you so much for being here with us. We're doing Ohm school live. And for the last, you know, 15 minutes or so, I'd like to see if all these, these questions are here or comments. And I can see that some people are saying this is really resonating and, and this is exactly what's happening on a journey right now. They say Facebook user. So I don't know who that is. And Lisa's a big thank mm -hmm. you. And we have Susanna who's joined with us and David and Elaine and uh, Ava and Crispin, all these wonderful play in people is that lemon no i.e mon there we go so, oh, I, I almost can't see that um sophia that's a new name i don't recognize that one jerry's and um yoga of allowing is a course forgive me because i don't remember how many hours or anything it is but it is <laughs> it is lots of gp lots of gp walsh teaching how, pointing you're you're definitely pointing and guiding people so that you can begin your spiritual practice on a very conscious level, um, knowing that you're doing this and setting your time frame, whichever, you know, there's certain videos you can sit and watch. But um, I like the yoga of allowing and just the even the name of it, the, the posturing of the the union of and holding in giving giving way to allowing as opposed to resisting and fighting and squishing down and uh, judging and being critical of all these things it's it's just really right. it's not critical of anything i mean it, it, it there's not even any judgment you know most of the time we sit down to meditate to med meditate there's a goal we have in mind we're trying to get something out of it including even the goal for enlightenment right allowing says well okay yeah so that motivation is there so what right there's no judgment in it whatsoever it, it is a pure presence with whatever is there. And when you realize that, oh, I've been really trying to get something here. And if I'm trying to get something, I'm not really present in this moment. This moment has become a stepping stone to something else. So I'm not really here. <laughs> okay, I can see that now. And you, you'll feel the energy that really wants to hold on to some kind of an objective. You go, well, that's, yeah, of course it does. That's, I've been practicing that feeling for a very long time. Of course it's going to be here. And, and little by little, you, you just keep bringing attention back and, you know, without struggling or fighting against any feelings. You know, because if you, you do, you, you create the conflict. The more you fight them, the stronger they get. I mean, that's just the way it works, right? And, and the, the act of fighting comes from the idea that something you're experiencing is invalid. Something needs to not be there. Right? And, I, and I say, if it's there, it obviously needs to be there. 
<laughs> and how do I know? Well, because it's there. <laughs> so I just accept whatever's there as what is supposed to be there because it's here. And, and if I can do that, then I become curious about it. I become interested in it. I, I, I drop my argument with it. And if I drop the argument, that means I'm dropping conflict. And even if there's confusion and all sorts of things going on, if there's no conflict, there's no suffering because there's no resistance. E even your totally freaked out, confused mind becomes something that's, that's a non-event. Okay, right now I've got a really confused mind. Now, this is to say, I, I do, because this came up in my mind for a second, I thought, oh, man, if I have to be like that all the time, I, I don't think I could, but we're not saying that. So a time of inquire, inqu inquiry is not always. You, we're not running around going, oh, well, that that really crappy thing showed up, and it's just supposed to be. That's maybe not the time. Like It's the practice yeah. of maybe setting the, the time aside. That's sour grapes. That's sour <laughs> grapes. <laughs> That's, you know, I mean, what happens is the practice does kind of take you over um, so that, and again, if it's done with the right spirit, that spirit of allowing, which is very non—it's non, non-combative, it's not conflicted, it's simply, simply interest. That interest is going to expand as you're just doing your, your everyday stuff. You'll become more and more aware of, okay, I'm doing this now, and there's this these thoughts going on, right? and you simply become aware of that. And are these thoughts really necessary? You can find that you, all of a sudden, my God, there's all these crazy thought, thoughts going on. What, what I don't I'm doing the dishes. What the hell do I need these for? Right? And, and you just little by you naturally become aware of it. Right? But, but again, it's not an argument with them. It's not a fight. If you try to push them away, they just get stronger. Right? Because they're fed by your interest, by your, by your attention. But if it simply becomes this innate curiosity, um, you simply are witnessing them happen and they don't touch you anymore. And of course, once all the interest in them, which is attachment or aversion to them, has dissipated, they leave because there's nothing holding them. They've been unplugged. Right? Because your attention is all the energy any of this has. It has none of its own. Right? The fan cannot run unless you plug it in. Right? You know, it's the plug, you're the outlet. <laughs> yes. I have to share this with all these wonderful viewers and, and students alike. Um, when I first started learning that, I, I didn't I didn't log it into like, oh, remember that the next time you know you're upset or have all these thoughts. Remember to, to see, you know, it wasn't like that. It wasn't, there was no instructions. But it does have this way of seeping into you because I do remember it caught me <laughs> off guard. Um, I I think we maybe started working together for three months, maybe, you know. And um, I had gotten into a, a big a nasty fight and um I huffed and puffed and I always do the same thing I do. I go and run a bath. That's what, that's my thing. I'm going to run a bath. I'm upset. And so I, and as I was running the water, I went, Ooh, I can see my behavior. I can see these thoughts. They're not me. So why are they showing up? What are these? And then as soon as I recognize that if I can see it, it's not me. I felt like I just, this, this elation, this happiness, this joy, this freedom, 
is what happened. A freedom came over me and I went, ha, that's the conditioning. But well, now I had to take ownership and responsibility because I am human and I have to help you. <laughs> yes, indeed. Right. Yeah. But it, it doesn't was, let you off the hook for that. <laughs> right. But it was this, this, um, that, that my practice had begun. My spiritual practice had been begun and now it was seeping into my life and I didn't have to consciously think, Oh, Lisa, remember that practice. You have to do this. It was right. really beautiful. No, that's exactly the, the, exactly the case. And that's understanding. Yes. Because it just kind of arises on its own because you've done the practice. Right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, on the note of the practice, I would like to take a moment to invite everybody to a practice. We actually hold a weekly practice, and <laughs> this is the perfect time to bring it up. It's actually called the Tapest Monks, and if you've heard of it, if you've actually joined us before, please put it in the comments, because we'd like to know, you know, just a reminder to ourselves who's been there, who's not, um, and who would like to come in, but we do this every Wednesday from 1 o'clock till 2 p.m. Eastern time, and we're all together we're all tapping away on the meridians, uh, meridian point, just, you know, helping the, the nervous system and the body to stay safe and allow to come up. You get to work with GP one-on-one -on -one, um, or just tap along with everybody. It actually helps because some people come up with stuff and you're like, wow, I didn't even know that was it. that that's showing up in my world. So it's really helpful. Now, I'll tell you a little trick, guys. Normally, this would be a $97 a month um, membership to be a part of with the Tapas Monks. But... When you buy the fearless, you know, tapping into the fearless you program <laughs> for only $27, you get a month free. So it's included. I, I'm going to invite everybody right now. If you're thinking, I would like to have this practice in my life. I know it's only once a week, but we try to give you as much as we can. We do the shows and, and there's that song every Sunday and all the videos. But I do invite you to really check that out. Go to gpwalsh.com slash a free I was gonna say freedom. I'm so under freed right now. Fearless, <laughs> fearless. And it's only $27. And then you get that whole program and get to have a practice with us Tapist Monks weekly on Wednesdays. So that was the end of that little, I have to do my sales pitch because it's just a fun <laughs> I want you guys there. You want you guys there. We all do. <laughs> and so, and that's tomorrow. And I notice huge differences in my life. Like it uh, just, I don't know what exactly it's hard to, you can't measure them. It's not like you say, well, yes, I do my, my, I go to temple on Wednesdays and then voila, Thursdays, you know, bliss. It's just, it, it just shows up everywhere. It just, it's a beautiful thing to show up. And yeah, because the bliss is, is the shift in our relationship with life. It, it isn't making life conform to what we think it should be. And then I'm going to be blissful because you know, I've got everything I want and the perfect relationship and all the money and stuff like that, because those are conditional. They shift. They're, they're unstable. They're not, they're not, they're not dependable. Um, so it becomes a relationship with life as it is. So whatever comes, it's like, oh, this is what's come now. Now can, you can just feel from that position, there's nothing wrong with life and how it, how it uniquely is for you or how it uniquely is for me right, is ir irrelevant, right? And this allows me to rejoice in other people's successes, to, to mourn with other people's failures, and, and, and to be an active participant, right, flowing with, flowing with the, the Tao. It removes all jealousy. It removes all, all, all conflict. It, it'll end war <laughs> with generosity and, 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 and mutual respect. 
um, because it all arises out of the out of the same thing our our attempt to con to control life rather than than surrender to it and this is really the the process of surrendering in, into love and discovering that it is your own nature it's not like you're you're surrendering to something other than yourself you're simply you're surrendering to the truth of your own being which seems strange. Well, why do I need to do that? But because we've simply been conditioned to think we're not. And it's that's all there is to it. <laughs> yes, those can there's boy, there sure are a lot there. I have to say that's layer upon yeah, layer. Pesky um, little, pesky little things, yes. yes. <laughs> I know we're at the top of the hour. I have one tiny question I'm gonna squeeze in. Um, and it's Okay, so we have some lovely students here and people who will be watching this later and we'd love to hear, see your comments and everything. Um, what if you, you, okay, I've begun my spiritual practice. I'd like to begin teaching others a spiritual practice, how to do a spiritual practice. Um, for anyone out there who wants to be a teacher, like, like you're, you're a master spiritual teacher, um, where, how do they begin that? Did, is that they just continue theirs, doing theirs, and is it really true that they're saying the student will show up and the teacher will show up and you, the teacher and you just shows up and the student then therefore shows up? <laughs> How do they begin teaching? Yes, it's like, it, yes. The number one motivation simply has to be your own freedom. Right? That has to be the primary. So that once again, this, the things that you're gaining, the benefits you're gaining and the, or the things you're learning, the understanding that's emerging doesn't serve any purpose other than itself. It is not a means to an end, right? And then it's perfectly natural for our desire to share what we've come to experience. And that's all there is to teaching. Um, yes, it can be, it can mature, it can acquire various kinds of skills. Um, and those are things that one acquires, right? The, how to use language, how to discern what some, what's really going on with somebody, you know, how to be present, how to create a safe space, um, how, to, how to really clearly see where somebody is at and respond to that in the most loving and compassionate way, not pushing somebody beyond where they go. Those are, those are skills and in intuitive unfoldments that happen simply as you mature. So if the desire is there in somebody, I don't say just put it aside. I said, but but just cherish it and and allow the your own practice to develop it. So that so that it doesn't become something you are doing but it becomes a very natural unfoldment from your life. And if that is the case, then, it, then its roots will be in your life and, and there'll be no ego in it and no one will have to, no one will have to, um, uh, you'll, you'll very naturally find all the skills you need just kind of, kind of coming to you, either without learning them or being just directed to the right, right, right place. And for me, it's been both. You know, a, a lot of it just kind of happened. You know, the ability to discern where people are and things like that. But other things, learning about the psychology and about the, some some degree of the neurology. Um, you know, picking up things here and there from various from various teachers. Oh, that's that's really a good way to do it. And it just happens very naturally, right? 
And sometimes, you know, sometimes I, I just outright steal. <laughs> That's just really good. I'm doing it that way. You know? I, I give, I, I give, I, I give credit. I give credit. But that's yes. what Picasso said. Talent borrows, genius steals. <laughs> <laughs> we always say who says the quote. Yes. <laughs> no, give me credit. That's right. I, I give credit where credit is due. Yes. Aww. Yes, indeed. That was a beautiful. So, so that this is, this is, um, it's a very natural desire. But, but, but just keep it at the level of wanting to share what you have gained. Because there's nothing you can't can share that, that other than what you have gained, right? You can't. It's it, it's not theoretical knowledge that you know. You're, this isn't ac academia. And you're gonna you know teach a teach a lecture, right? Yes. The, the because people can sense that they can sense that it's that it's intellectual, but they can also sense when it's really coming from the heart, where it, it's somebody who's who's lived it. And and has and is giving expression to that, and then you find that it's it's you know it's not even your motivation to help people. It it, it it's not even personal. It, it just it happens. This is what happens because because everybody's destiny is to know themselves as that infinite love, and so it is that destiny in the individual that fulfills themselves when bringing themselves to you, and yeah. and that's the role you play. There's nobody personal here. Right, it is. It is only love meeting you where you are, and yeah, it's using this body and you know moving these hands and grew this hair, right? <laughs> yes. And turned and turned it white, right? I, yes, I, it is using that, right? It's not emanating from from this body, right? And any more than the song is coming out is come is originating in the radio. Right? Yes. Yes. Mm, beautiful. I, I, lo I love that. That's so, wow. I, I'm curious as to uh, some comments on, on that, that, that just feels so good. And they, and maybe something I'm recognizing right now in my own world, where that just something that I've gained already. And it's inside me just pours out of me and I don't have to make business cards for it. You know, <laughs> it's what's going to come out. And so I, yeah, that, that feels nice. And that's, yeah, I love that. That the message there for me is just, yes, we just continue our own spiritual practice. We continue. That's always where it comes from. That's yeah. always where it comes from. It, that, that never, that never stops. Well, it does. It stops at Buddhahood. Yes. Well, thank you, GP. This has been uh, so enjoyable. I love this one. And thank you, everybody. And Jennifer, not to worry, we it's replayable. You can you can join in. And uh, David and Lane, thank you so much. I think I got in Suzanne. Yeah, well. thank you, everybody. We will see some of you tomorrow. Hopefully, every one of you tomorrow at Tapas Monks. However, uh, we'll get you the next week on Ohm School Live. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.